Hey everyone, Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting the excellent Nathan Jones. He was born in Kansas City, and he spent his formative years in Idaho in a small town where his father was the town doctor. If you guys have heard, I've done a couple episodes with Dr. Lon Jones. That's his dad. So it's a privilege to have Nate here on the podcast later in a pursuit to provide needed support for the entire family of 14 kids. Nathan's parents have made the decision to move to Michigan, Mexico City, where he spent most of his childhood. When he was 16, the family made another move, this time to Utah, which is also where Nate graduated from high school. He attended college for a year, spent a year in active duty, and also went on a two-year mission with his church. He moved back home in 94 and started attending Utah Valley University. Later, he made a transition to Seattle where he attended school to become a commercial diver. He used his skills from this education when he worked as a diver in oil fields in Louisiana between 95 and 2000. Another transition occurred when he moved back to Utah and founded Clear in 2000, where he has been ever since. We've discussed Clear and, and the work that they do and with using xylitol and, and sinus care. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the episode with Dr. Lon Jones, listen to it. He talks about how it helps you prevent COVID and reduce your risk of COVID. And today we've got his awesome son, Nate, who is the CEO of the Clear Incorporated Company, joining us to have a great discussion. So Nate, such a privilege to have you here. Well, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. So before we dive into the work that you guys are doing at Clear, talk to us a little bit about what inspired your work in healthcare. I mean, you've done such interesting things before this. Well, that's a kind of a loaded question because when I was a kid, I always thought I'd grow up to become a doctor. And when I was going to college, you know, I was going on the pre-med course. And then I went down and I did some volunteer work at the emergency room at the local hospital here in Utah. And what I realized is that I could never be a doctor. You know, it was a great job and, and it was a great thing, but doctors normally have some patients that die. And I don't know that I ever want to put myself in a position to have to tell someone that their loved one is dead because I would sit there and I would watch doctors do that. And the emotional toll of that is it's, it's insane. And I, I just didn't ever want to put myself into that position. And so that's when I made the decision to go do something else. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went to commercial diving school, as you mentioned, in Seattle and was out working on the oil rigs. I've always had a high risk personality, you know, when I was in the military, you know, blew stuff up and jumped out of airplanes a bunch. And I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed underwater welding, what some people think is a, is a risky job, but I didn't think it was. And being an entrepreneur by, by its very nature is, is a risky job. But what I enjoy about it now is I love that I go to work every day and my goal is to make money to support myself, but by doing it in a way that makes other people save money by staying healthy. And, you know, we bring that up all the time because our products are designed, toothpaste, mouthwash, the chewing gum, 
all of that and the nasal spray, they're designed to help keep you healthy. They're hygiene products that we can throw, that we can show through science how it's going to improve your health. So it's going to save you money. Well, I think it's fantastic. And I never knew about you guys until, until I, I heard about it through your dad. And, you know, the studies you guys have done around how keeping your nose clean and with your product, but also the impacts of xylitol on dental health. It's fantastic. And so talk to us a little bit about how you believe clear with an X, it's X-L-E-A-R, folks, just if you're, if you're looking them up, is adding value to people's lives. Well, I think it adds value because, first of all, your, your smile, and, and we'll start by discussing the, you know, the research behind the products, but people's smile is one of the, the first things that people notice about other people. And you know, a lot of people will sit there and say, well, it, white teeth is a good smile. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're adding value by keeping it healthy. Okay. Mm-hmm. We want it to be healthy. And there's a whole slew of other systemic issues that all arise from bad oral hygiene. And so what we want to do is we want to make oral hygiene simple. We want to make it easy and we want to make it cost effective. And that's really what xylitol does is it allows us to do that. And so if we can get people using xylitol, it's adding value because they're going to save money by by staying healthy. I think that's great. And it's clear, you know, so it's funny because we had Dr. Jones on the podcast the first time and I thought it was a good idea. And then we had him on again and I hadn't tried it, you know, and and finally I said, oh my gosh, like Dr. Jones and same with you, right? I'm like, Nate, we got to get this going and we have, and we've noticed the difference, right? Just using the toothpaste and also the nasal spray we are breathing better. We feel like we're, you know, we haven't gotten sick because of it. So what do you think makes what you do different or better than, than what's out there today? Um, no, because healthcare in America is really focused on making sick people better. And that is a very, very expensive way to manage healthcare. And, you know, what, what in my opinion, what I think needs to be done is I think there needs to be a a titanic shift in our CDC and our governmental agencies to push that equation back to where people are being motivated to stay healthy. I mean, the CDC and the NIH and all of these government organizations, you know, what they should be doing is programs out there in public health to keep people healthy. And, And xylitol would be top of mind to in almost all of those because it's such a cost-effective way to manage your oral health and your airway health. Yeah. So it's not a drug. And I want to I wanna hone in on that with you, if that's okay, for all of us to understand that better. What is xylitol? It's a sugar. It's a non-hexose sugar. And what that means is the sucrose, the glucose, the fructose, and even the sorbit, the six-carbon sugar alcohols, like sorbitol, mannitol, maltitol, all of those are six-carbon sugars. And most of the pathogenic bacteria in our bodies live and thrive off of six carbon sugars. In, in the human body, we eat those sugars and we use them also. But the amount of six carbon sugars that we as, hu- as a human race have started to consume over the last six, 700 years has just been ridiculously increased. If you go back, you know, let's just say 500 years, we did not have refined sugar. Okay. People ate fruit which is the, the main source for fructose in season. So for two or three months a year, that was it. Other than that, we really didn't have a whole bunch of sugar that we were eating like we're eating it today. 
And so xylitol is a five carbon sugar. And there's other sugar alcohols like erythritol and all of these other non-hexose sugar alcohols and sugars are very healthy for us. And we've shown in multiple studies over the past two decades that xylitol blocks bacterial and viral adhesion of all of these bacteria and the viruses. And one of the ways that you can get xylitol is using it in toothpaste, using it in mouthwash, using it in nasal sprays, or you can get it by eating broccoli and cauliflower and woody fibrous plant. Because if you go back 500 years, that's where we got it. And when you're looking at it systemically, there was a great paper that was published last year. It was, a uh, what was his name? Anthony Ching Dao, and I know I'm saying it wrong, but it's a guy in France. And he wrote this paper explaining how xylitol blocks adhesion. And, and he was using specifically the, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, how the xylitol blocks the ability of that virus to, to enter the tissue. And the same thing is, is that bacteria are using those same receptor sites. And so the xylitol binds up on these receptor sites and it just hangs out there until the body needs it and then it goes somewhere else. But it's blocking those receptor sites for five, six hours. That's amazing. Thank you for for highlighting that. And um, it just blows my mind that a non-drug, something like a you basically call it a five-point sugar, is helpful like this. And it's not expensive and it's so easy to use. My wife and I have been using the clear nose flush and we do three to four flushes per nostril and we keep it next to our toothbrush and i'll tell you we're breathing better it's a great thing and in the back of my mind just knowing that helping along with other social distancing and and cautions right uh helping myself and my family be healthier it's awesome to be able to do so how do you think you've improved outcomes during these past few few months with the virus well as a as a business there's an increased need for upper respiratory health products. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is obviously we have, you know, expanded the ability to produce the products. I mean, that's that in and itself was a, a huge task because with half of the world shut down, you know, we're trying to buy equipment so that we can actually make more products. We, we're, we're getting more people overseas that are asking us to to make product for them. I mean, we have, there's been a couple of the governments in Latin America that have actually expedited the registration process. They're allowing us, or I shouldn't say allowing us, they actually asked us to put antiviral on the label so that they could sell it into the Dominican Republic and into Haiti and into Brazil and some of these other countries. And so that in and of itself is is also quite a difficult thing to to get done, but we have done it because we, I think we have a great team here and they've really stepped up to it. Congratulations on that. I mean, that's just something to be proud of. And as I understand too, you guys have a new, I guess, nationally recognized day. Do you want to share that? Yes. We, uh, we had registered March 11th, which is the one year anniversary of when the WHO declared this upper respiratory pandemic. And we now have that listed on the, the register of days, how, how they do that, as the National Wash Your Nose Day. And what we want to do with that is we just want to emphasize that not only during you know a pandemic, an upper respiratory pandemic, but the rest of the year also, people should be washing their nose. It just seemed like a very suitable day to have that day be. But I don't know if, if my dad ever mentioned this, but almost 75% of the visits of primary to two primary care physicians are for upper respiratory issues. It just makes sense. I mean, you're getting ear infections and sinus infections, colds, flu, allergy, all of those things 
are all started in the upper airway. And so it just makes sense that people should be washing their nose. Clean your nose, people. <laughs> so Nate, at the beginning of the of the podcast, actually before we started recording, you you had mentioned it took 150 years for people to realize that it was important for us to wash our hands. You're hoping that it doesn't take us that long to realize that we need to wash our noses. Correct. So Ignaz Semmelweis, who was a Hungarian, but he was living in Vienna, he wrote the first paper, published the first paper in the, I can't remember the Vienna medical paper, whatever it was mm -hmm. at the time, but he published it in there. And it was just a paper saying, hey, you know what? I started washing my hands between seeing these, you know, sick people and, and dead people and, and pregnant women. And the rate of death of the women that he was, you know, the, the babies and the women that he was delivering went down to less than 1%. Okay. The mm -hmm. other doctors in the city, they were having a, an epidemic of, it's called purpural fever, and they were losing upwards of 25% of the babies. And where it comes from is the doctors would be in doing dissections on dead people, and they'd go straight from there into a lady giving birth. And so the doctors themselves were carrying that disease and giving it to their patients. And Ignaz Simmelweis published his paper and he said, hey, I just started washing my hands and mine is down under 1%. And all the other doctors laughed at him and they mocked him and they ran him out of town. And it wasn't until 50 years later that Lister came up and said, hey, you know what? Maybe we should uh, disinfect our hands before we do surgery. And it wasn't until 1998 that the CDC made it standard of care for doctors here in the United States to wash their hands between patients. And the reason for that is because of the, it was, it was in 1998, it was a hep C epidemic. Okay. But that's what, so 150 years later, you know, something we all understood since we were kids is wash your hands, but it took that long for, for all of the doctors to get on board with doing it. Yeah. It's unfortunate that it takes these things. And I mean, Nate, I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, we've always been hand washers. The pandemic, the COVID-19 virus has elevated it and uh, introduced really you guys <laughs> and your philosophy around nose washing to us and, and to our community. So I'm grateful that you guys are sharing this message and you're spreading it and you are drawing parallels to these other pandemics and challenges. Let's not be part of the masses here, everyone listening. And let's clean our noses. I invite you to clean your nose. <laughs> and or in the show notes, we'll have a link where you could access clear. It's uh, very low cost. It's so nice. And actually, I was just learning about some other cool stuff that that they have. So you guys also have candy for kids. And so I didn't know you guys offered that. I guess overall, when you compare this xylitol to sugar, you know, I mean, how is it cal calorie wise? And like, I understand you can also use it as a sweetener. It looks like sugar, tastes like sugar. The only difference to it is if you eat a lot of it or if you're drinking, you like you don't want to make soda pop or you don't want to make, you know, lemonade out of it mm -hmm. because it has a, uh, I can't remember the name of the word, but it pulls water toward it, which when you're using it in oral care products, when you're using it in a nasal spray, th those are very beneficial. But when you're doing that in your gut, not so beneficial. So if you eat a lot of it, you'll get it in the osmotic diarrhea and your body will adjust to it. And Dr. Cannon has actually pointed out that when your body adjusts to it, the xylitol is actually a prebiotic. And so it actually feeds the good bacteria, the healthy bacteria for people that have IBS and have some of these other gastrointestinal issues. But he's published a couple of papers in the medical literature pointing out that by 
cutting out the hexose sugars and going to you know, five and four and three and two carbon sugars, you can actually clean up a lot of those gastrointestinal issues because you're, you're switching over from an unhealthy microbiome to a microbiome that is much healthier historically. Fascinating. Fascinating. Just some, some really neat stuff to think about. And so as you think about some of the setbacks you've had, especially around this time, or maybe even what you have seen across the country, what would you say one of those is and, and what's been a key learning from one of those? Um, a key learning, I guess, is uh, learning to deal with the government. I think that government does more to stifle innovation that's helpful than any other organization out there, I guess. <laughs> but no, you just have to learn to navigate through. Yeah, that's fair. Finding out the, the path, best pathway to get what you guys are doing so well at and really increasing the access to it and you guys are doing it in a in a really great way. You're you've increased production. What what would you say you're most excited about today? Um, I am most excited about the future. You know, we have filed for an emergency use authorization with with the FDA. We're going to push that forward. Our last communication was they they want to make it a drug because they understand that it works, but it it's not going to be a drug. So that that becomes a non-issue. We just have to figure out how the messaging is that allows us to say what it does without making it a drug. And so that's part of what I think is interesting. And then on the other hand, you have the FTC who's coming in and saying, you know, you don't have enough science. And so it's, it's confusing, but it's intellectually stimulating trying to navigate through that. Let me put it that way. <laughs> that's fair. And if we can get any of that done, I'm just excited to get this whole pandemic behind us. I mean, we have enough vaccines now for those people that want to take a vaccine. I just wish that our CDC would start talking about other options because there is a huge chunk of the population out there that just doesn't want to get a vaccine. And I think that our CDC and I think that our government should be looking for options for those people instead of just trying to ram the idea of a vaccine and saying, hey, this is the only solution. I think they should be looking at any other solution that may or may not help. We actually filed a petition with the CDC to ask them to discuss the topic of nasal sprays because it just makes sense. And, you know, and if it's okay, I'd actually like to ask your listeners to, to sign that petition. You know, you can go to our webpage and there's a link to it right there on our webpage. You can read through it. And if you agree with it, you know, sign it. Yeah. So the petition is about making nasal sprays. Tell us a little bit more about it. It, it really just goes through the, the reasoning and the logic of behind using nasal sprays, nasal hygiene in light of the current pandemic. Well, there you have it. And then uh, you guys will provide a link to that petition. So folks, if, you, if you're interested in, in uh, signing it, if you feel like uh, this is something you want to line yourself up with, by all means, take up Nate on the request to also sign the petition. I think it makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. So Nate, be sure to give us that link. We'll put it in the show notes for everybody that wants to participate. And, uh, you know, before we close out our session today, I'd love if you could just give us a closing thought, Nate, and the best place that the listeners could get in touch with you or your team, should they have any questions. My closing thoughts is something that I always try to do, and that is be part of the solution. There's things that, that people can do, but if you're always trying to be part of the solution, then, then you're probably going to be doing the right thing. It's a good closing thought. And I believe you guys are. And I was excited to get you on to, to talk more about what you guys are doing to help us improve our health overall. I'm grateful that you came on to chat with us. If anybody wants to reach out or, or learn more, where can they reach out? 
They can go to our webpage is the easiest place. They can, I mean, they can email me. My email is nate at clear.com. And obviously our webpage, they can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have all those social media pages. The postings are pretty, not very strong at all because of, of our governmental oversight, I guess. Uh, so we can't really post that much of, of the information, the studies. But you can follow us, and as information comes available, we'll forward it as much as we can. Outstanding. Well, we appreciate it, Nate. And folks, again, it's clear with an X. So xlear.com, Nate at xlear.com. We'll leave those links inside of the show notes on today's episode. And uh, Nate, just want to say thanks again. Appreciate all the work that you and, and your team are doing to help keep our country safe. Hopefully not just our country. Hopefully it's the world. The world. That's true. You know, the majority of our listeners are in the States, but certainly we do have our international listeners. So the globe safe. I appreciate you correcting me there. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate you tuning in. And then Nate, thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Anytime. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.